Job chapter 23, beginning at verse 1. This is a story of Job that a lot of us know. Job was a man that the devil attacked. He lost everything, going through a hard time. Probably not just a hard time, one of the worst times of his life. And in Job chapter 23, verse 1, the Word of God says this, Then Job spoke again. He said, My complaint today is still a bitter one, and I try hard not to groan out loud. If only I knew where to find God, I would go to His court. I would lay out my case. I would present my arguments. Then I would listen to his reply and understand what he says to me. Would he use his great power to argue with me? No, he would give me a fair hearing. Honest people can reason with him. So I would be forever acquitted by my judge. I go east, but he's not there. I go west, but I can't find him. I don't see him in the north, for he is hidden. I look to the south, but he's concealed. But he knows where I'm going, and when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. For I have stayed on God's path. I have followed his way. I have not turned aside. I have not departed from his commands, but I have treasured his words more than daily food. But once he has made his decision, who can change his mind? Whatever he wants to do, he does. So he will do to me whatever he has planned. He controls my destiny. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word we're about to receive, Lord. Father, I pray that you would help us to not only learn and understand, but apply this word to our lives, Lord. For anyone here this morning who might not see what you're doing in their lives or where you're taking them, for anyone here that feels like you're silent or mad at them, for anyone that's going through a hard time, help us to understand. Apply this to our lives. We ask that you make Franklin today, Lord, feel better this morning. And all of us here today who even couldn't be here, Lord. Bless this word in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You all can have a seat as we get into this word this morning. How many of you know the story of Job? You show me your hands for a moment so we can... Just gonna, all right. For those who don't know or maybe need to be reminded... Job was a man that the Bible describes as a man of God. The Bible says in Job chapter 1, verse 1, for example, I want you to understand this. Notice what the Bible says about Job. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. Now I want you to notice this. He was blameless. He was a man of complete integrity. He feared God. And he stayed away from evil. Now let's say that one more time. I want you to pick up on this. There was a man named Job who lived in the land of us. He was blameless, which means to be guiltless. To have a clear conscience. In other words, he lived so well that even if you try to accuse him of something... Can you lower me just a little bit? It's, it's really bad here. You guys can hear me here? Just a tad because it's really affecting me here. All right, let's go back. So there was a man named Job who lived in the land of us. Now the Bible says he was blameless 
It means that he was without guilt. So if you try to even tell Job that, oh, I saw you doing this, or I saw you being bad, or I saw you compromising, you couldn't because the Bible says he was a man, not only blameless, but he was blameless because he was a man of integrity. The Bible says he feared God. He stayed away from evil. Now, the Bible says that this man was clearly serving God. He was blameless. He feared God. He was a righteous man. The Bible records that Job would wake up in the morning to give sacrifices, to pray, not only for himself, but he would pray for his children. He was a family man. He had a great life. The Bible says that God protected him. The Bible says that Job had a hedge of protection. See, as a result of Job living for God, as a result of Job staying away from evil, as a result of Job fearing God, staying away from evil, being blameless, serving Him faithfully, God formed a hedge of protection. Now, a hedge of protection was low to the ground. It was a bunch of thorns intertwined into bush, and it was used and often grown with heavy thorns to protect animals and the home and other things that were valuable. So people would make these hedges around their homes, around their cattle, around their property to really protect them from wolves and animals that, tr- that really try to get them and destroy everything. This is what God says he did for Job. God formed a hedge of protection over his life, over his children, over his family, over his finances, over his well-being, over his health. And as a result of this hedge, Job became the wealthiest man in the land. He was blessed. He was highly favored. And I want to ask you this question. How many of you want that hedge of protection in your own life? How many of you want to see God protect your children? Because you know we're living in an evil world right now. We're living in evil times. But how many parents would have the confidence to say, I know my children are fine because I know God has protected them. You want a hedge of protection over your children. You want a hedge of protection over your family. You want a hedge of protection over your home where you know that God is protecting you. He's keeping you. He's keeping you safe. He's with you. He has not abandoned you. And then when we look at the life of Job, you might say, Pastor, I want that hedge of protection. I want God to protect me. I want God to protect my marriage. I want God to protect my family, my children, my future, my finances, my health. I want God to bless me that way. I want people to look at me and with such favor that they know what I have in my life, my joy, my happiness, my blessing, my favor. I want people to look at my life and know that that has to be God. When I look at the life of Job, I say to myself, I want to live like that. I want God to bless me. I want God's favor upon me. I want God to protect my home, my family. And I want people to look at my life and give God the credit and the glory because they know the only way someone can be that blessed has to be God. That's the life that Job had. Now, Let me teach you today three ways a hedge of protection is gone. You guys listening? 
A hedge of protection is gone. Number one, when you put God to the test. It means you don't put yourself in compromising situations that are dangerous because you know God is with you. If you want to, for example, let's say you want to protect your marriage from adultery. You don't put God to the test and have a compromising relationship with the opposite sex, going out to lunch, calling and texting on the phone, having conversations. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. You're walking a fine line and you're putting God to the test. You're saying, no, I know God will protect me from adultery. I know God will protect me from lust. So I know I can be in this situation, even though it's compromising. I know I'm okay because I know God is with me. The devil tried to get Jesus to even jump off a building and say, hey, wouldn't God just call his angels and save you? Jesus looked at the devil and said, it is written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. There's a lot of people that think because God is with them, they're exempt from danger. It's like saying, I know the Lord protects me. I know the Lord is by my side. So I'm going to go and cross the highway blindfolded and I know I'm going to make it to the other side. No, that is putting God to the test. The second way A hedge of protection is gone from your family, from your home, from your life. It's sin. Living in rebellion towards God, living in disobedience towards God. That's why there are so many believers whose lives are destroyed because they chose to live contrary to the Word of God. They, they try to live outside of God's word. They're making decisions they know they shouldn't. Doing things they know it's wrong. And God cannot protect the life of a person that chooses to live in sin. I know this is not popular in the church, but in this church we preach the truth and the truth is also with sin. God cannot protect the life of an individual that chooses to sin against him. You cannot tell yourself, oh, I know God's going to protect me even though I know this is wrong. I know God's going to protect me and God's still going to bless me even though I know I'm living in sin. God cannot protect or bless the life of any person living in habitual practicing sin. That's why Job had access to the protection of God because the Bible says God, that Job feared God. But when you're choosing to live a life without the fear of God and you're doing things you know you shouldn't and you're living in ways you know goes against God and you have lost the fear of God, to lose the fear of God means you don't even fear the consequences anymore. You think you're tricking God and everyone else. You think no one's going to know, no one's going to find out. You tell yourself, I could get away with this. So I'm going to live in sin. I'm going to live in the world. I'm going to do what I know is wrong. And God is still going to be okay with it because God loves, God forgives, God's grace, God's mercy allows me to live in sin and just come right back when I feel a little bad about it. That is not how this works. A hedge of protection is gone. When you live in habitual sin. It's not that you sin 
Because all of us sin. And it's not that God says the moment you sin, oh, that's it, protection is gone, you're on your own. That is not how God works. God is not a mean God like that. But you see, like the prodigal son in Luke 15, when you choose to live outside of your father's home, outside of your father's hand, outside of your father's relationship, when you choose to live like that, you put yourself in danger. And the hedge of protection is gone. And a third way the hedge of protection is gone is simply not because you're putting God to the test, not even because you're living in rebellion and sin. But the third reason that the hedge of protection is removed is because God allows it. He puts you through a test. This is what happened to Job. Job wasn't living a life of immorality and sin and and habitual lifestyle of, of just sin. Job wasn't putting God to the test. But see, God allowed the devil to attack him. And you might say to yourself, Pastor, why would God even do that? That doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem right. But you know that when it's God that removes the hedge of protection... To put you through a test is because he's getting ready to bless your life. He's getting ready to bless you in a way that he has to put you through a test to work on your character, to work in your heart. And this is exactly what happened to Job. God allowed the devil to attack his life, to attack his family, to attack everything. And after it, even Job says, when I come out of this, I'm going to be better than gold. You see, when God removes the hedge of protection and he allows circumstances in your life that are not your fault, that are not based on your choices, when God allows you to go through trials and adversities that makes no sense, instead of getting mad at God, instead of saying, well, God, this isn't right. I don't deserve this. Why not like Job say, maybe God is putting me through this because he's working in my heart and he's developing me for something better and greater than where I'm at right now. This is what happened to Job. God put him through such a severe test and it was all his doing. And God said to the devil, Go ahead. You attack my servant Job. Just don't kill him. And here's where it gets interesting. Job looks great. His life is great. His family is blessed. Everything. And when you read the book of Job, just chapter 1 and 2, it seems like overnight, everything gets destroyed. Everything gets lost. He didn't expect it. He didn't plan for it. It didn't seem real to him. But notice what the devil did. Because even if you're getting attacked by the devil right now, he's still under the sovereignty of God and God has to give him permission. But notice what the devil did. Okay, I can't kill him. But I got to get him to curse God. That was the whole concept of the book of Job. 
He wanted Job to curse God. What does it mean to curse God? It literally means to give up on him. To just walk away from this. To stop serving him. To to stop fearing him. to, To just live for yourself. And what I see a lot today, there's a lot of people cursing God. There's a lot of people just giving up on the faith. There's a lot of men that say, no, you know what? I'm done with church. I'm done with God. There's a lot of women that aren't even standing up for God in the home anymore. They've just given up. You no longer see them serving God. You no longer see them in church. You no longer see them enthusiastic. You no longer see them worshiping. They're just gone. And you look at where they're at. They're in the world. They're living like the world. They're acting like the world. And you're able to remember a time that this person was just sitting next to me in the church, serving and worshiping and loving God. And I look at them and now they're in the world with worldly people living wrong how does that happen because God is the same yesterday today and forever but so is the devil and the same strategy he used for Job he uses on people today there's a lot of people cursing God and how did Satan do it he went after First, his family. Notice the first attack Job had in the devil was his children. His children were just blameless. They were living life, but the devil, he did not first attack Job. He was not centered on Job. You have to pay attention to this because the devil can get through you through someone else. And the devil takes a, a survey and he looks at Job and he says, okay, where can I get him where it hurts? Oh, I'm going to get his son, his daughters. I'm going to attack them. The devil's strategy first is to attack the family. How many believe today our children are under attack? It's happening. Kids are going through things today that I never went through. Kids are questioning things today that I never even thought of. Kids are under this pressure that that we never had. At least I didn't have growing up. And those generations even after me never had. You know, my parents' generation, the worst thing kids went through is chewing gum in the classroom. This is true. I mean, remember that. You got beat for that. Can you imagine if that was today? There was a a rebellious group of kids chewing gum. Wouldn't we laugh at that today? The devil is after children. You know, I was looking this week at the statistics by Lifeway. Lifeway does the stats. Every year they survey Almost a million people in the U.S. in the church. It's bad. One in three kids between the ages of 15 and 18 leave the church for good. One in three leave the church. Want nothing to do with God. 
Kids are struggling with their identity. Questioning their sexuality. Questioning their gender. This video might be even taken off YouTube. I know it is. But I got to preach the truth. They're questioning who they are. What's, what's just mind-blowing to me is that as of 2021 up to now, 66% of the church attendance has dropped. And, and, I, and we say, well, that's because of COVID. It's because of COVID. It, it, it's because it's of COVID. COVID made it hard for churches to keep going. COVID made it easy for people to just go home and not go to church. COVID, fine. But I want, here's what's interesting. Let's say it was COVID. What if the devil, not China, what if the devil was behind that? Did the, did the devil not attack Job's health? What if everything we've gone through, 2020 through now, was behind the devil's scheme? How can I shut down the churches? How can I get Christians to get lazier? How can I get the people of God not to care? Now 66% of the churches in America, the attendance has dropped. They just don't go to church anymore. 70% of marriages that are professing Christians are ending in divorce. Do you not think the devil is attacking the family? The home, the children, the husbands, the wives? We're struggling with our mental health. Our fine, you know, Job was attacked. First, the devils attacked his family. And then, you know, Job got through that. Then the devil didn't give up. And he said, you know, I'm going to attack his health. Because if I attack his health, I know he's going to curse God and give up on God. And there are so many people, their health get attacked and they just walk out on God. And then Job... He lost his business. He lost it. The devil went even to his finances. Do you know that money is the number one reason for divorce? You know that money is the number one reason for anxiety today. Money drives us. Money worries us. Money plagues us. How am I going to pay this? And what, what how am I going to do about my debt? And how am I going to pay the rent? And how am I going to put food on the table? And you're worried. And hey, you're spending too much. No, you're spending too much. And they're fighting and bickering and money and stress. And the devil's just there. Let me get to the money. Let me get to the money. How many people have made wrong choices based on money? How many politicians and great leaders are compromised because of money? Money is a source of many kinds of evil. And the number one evil is the devil. So he knows I can use money. How many people don't go to church because they rather work? Why do we work? For money. The devil says, I'm going to attack the family. I'm going to attack the health. I'm going to attack the money. And I'm going to use all these physical problems to destroy them where I really want them, spiritually. The devil doesn't care about your family. But he knows 
It's a part of what can destroy you spiritually. The devil doesn't care about your health, but he knows it can be used to destroy you. The devil does not care about your money. The devil does not care how much you make, but the devil does know it drives you. And it's what you think about. It's what you worry about. So I'm just going to use that to get you spiritually. Spiritually. The devil used physical sources to destroy Job spiritually. This is how he does it. He attacks you physically to hinder you mentally. The devil can't get to your thoughts. He can't control your thoughts. But if the devil can control the circumstances physically, he knows your thoughts will follow. Have you ever gone through a physical problem that mentally has destroyed you? Are you going through something physically right now, but worse than what you're going through physically is the mental torture you put yourself through at night when you're by yourself. Physically, you're going through a problem, but mentally, you're worried. Mentally, you're afraid. Mentally, you're anxious. Mentally, you're depressed. Mentally, you're discouraged. You see, the devil can use outside sources to get you in here. Because the devil knows if I can get them physically, it will affect them mentally. And if I can affect them mentally, it will hurt them emotionally. Because your emotions are linked to your mind. You cannot feel something you don't think first. Why do you feel afraid? Because you're thinking fearful thoughts. And why are you thinking fearful thoughts? Because you're going through something physically fearful. You see how it works? I attack you physically to get you mentally, to hurt you emotionally. And after I get to the emotions, eventually it leaks in to the spiritual. Have you ever had to fight your emotions to serve God? Anyone? Let's just think today. How many of you fought your emotions to get to church today? I won't get hurt. Tell me the truth. I'm tired. Oh, this bed feels so good. Mentally now, oh man, it's just one Sunday. Pastor won't care. It's just one Sunday. Mentally, you're not there. Emotionally, you're not there. But see, the devil wants to get you spiritually through the physical problems in your life. And here's the thing about surviving this attack of the devil. You can't control the physical. But you can control your thoughts and your emotions. That's how you survive the devil because he can throw anything at you. He can rule the world. That's what the God, God said. This world is his. He can rule the world, but he can't rule your heart. He can rule the world, but he can't rule your thoughts. He can rule the world, but he can't rule your emotions. And many people spiritually right now are at a bad place in their life 
where they have walked out from God, thinking about walking out from God. They're not praying like they used to. They're not in the Word like they used to. They're not worshiping like they used to. They have no joy in the Lord like they used to. And they're in trouble right now spiritually because their mind and their emotions is getting the best of them. Which reminds me, one of the stats I learned recently, it's only 7% of people in the church Read the Bible and pray regularly after Sunday, outside of Sunday. 7%. That might be you right now. Maybe this is the most God you get on the week, Sunday. The rest of the week, you're just gone. The devil loves that. The devil is using the same attack today. And he did thousands of years ago to Job. I'm going to get you physically to hurt you mentally, to wound you emotionally, to destroy you spiritually. And when I see a life of a person who's spiritually destroyed and walked from God, they did not just get up and say, you know, I think today I'm going to stop going to church. I think today I'm just going to stop serving God. No one just gets up and says, I'm just going to live in sin. I'm just going to be in the world. I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm not going to pray anymore. I'm just going to leave this whole thing. No one just makes that decision. It starts off with emotions and mental and the devil begins to work physically to the point that it destroys them spiritually. That's all Job was going through. A spiritual attack through physical means. Maybe you're in this church today and you're saying, my family's under attack, my marriage is under attack, my health, my finances, my kids, all of this, everything's a mess, Pastor. Everything is a mess. Can I tell you right now? You can get through it. You can get through it. Oh, you don't know me. I don't know you. But I know God. I know Job, not personally. But I've read Job enough to realize that secretly in the, in the text, I did all the hard work for you. I sat down for hours and days looking at what Job did to survive the spiritual attack. You guys ready to learn what Job did? Because seriously, it can change your life forever. Because chapter 1 of Job, you see the devil attacking his family, attacking his finances, attacking his health. It's to the point that even his own wife says, why don't you curse God and die? How many know you have marital problems if your wife says, why don't you die already? When are you going to die? Leave me the house. Come on. I would expect you to come see me for counseling if your wife says that to you guys. Come see me. If your wife's like, why don't you die? Why don't you just die? So imagine, Job, he gets attacked. He loses his kids, loses his job. He's lost everything. He's sick. He like barely makes it home. Well, at least I have my boo. At least I got my girl. At least I got my honey. At least I got my wife. And the minute he comes home, oh, you're still alive? <sighs> Wouldn't you feel like everything's just gone? 
I know it's a little funny, but think about it. Job lost everything. Isn't that one of the greatest fears you have? Just losing everything? Failure? Becoming nothing? Job chapter 1 was the worst day of his life. At the end of the chapters in the story of Job, not only does he get through it, he comes out better, more blessed, and my favorite part, the devil loses. And I read that and I said to myself, Lord, would you teach me first so I can teach our church what Job did? Because in the end of my season of hardship, I want to be able to look at that devil and say, you lost. You tried. But you lost. Now, before you get excited and say, oh, yes, pastor, I know God can get me through and God's going to bless me because we read this and we preach this and we do it all wrong. We tend to make people think in the church that what God did for Job, he's going to do for you. So no matter what the devil does, and no matter how he attacks you, God's going to bless you with more. You're coming out better. But people fail to forget something about Job that he did that caused them never to curse God and turn his back on him. So before you get excited... And say, okay, God, you're going to bless me like you did Job. Can I teach you what Job did first to see if you even are willing to do it? But the first thing I have to tell you before I even start, if you want to come out of your difficult season, you want to see God bless you with favor and more, you want the hedge of protection back in your home or for the first time ever, if you want to really see the devil defeated in your life, the first thing I have to tell you first and foremost, before we even start learning, can I say this right now? Number one, before I even teach you today, here it is. If you're not living like Job, don't ask God to bless you. Let me, let me explain. If you're living in sin today, this sermon's not for you. Habitual sin. If you're living in sin, knowing, oh, I know this is wrong, but I, you know I'm human. If you're living in sin, this message is not for you. If you have no fear of God, like Job did, and you call the shots and you don't fear consequences, this message will mean nothing to you. If you're not living like Job with integrity and you're compromising and lying and sneaking around, this message will do you no good. If you're not avoiding evil like Job did, you're wasting your time and mine. The first thing I would tell you if this is you, repent. Get rid of the evil. And come back to the Lord. Get rid of the evil. Whatever it is, where you compromise, whatever sin it is, take severe measures to get it out of your life so you can come back to the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me. And then you can apply what Job did to get out of his demonic attack.
You guys got it? It got quiet quick. The rest of you, let's learn. You guys ready to learn? Can I pray real quick? Father, I pray that as we start this half of the message now, you would help us to learn to do this. And for those here today, Lord, who sadly, this message would be nothing for them because right now they're living in sin, not fearing you, not living in integrity. Father, I just pray that your love will cover them right now to run to your feet again. Give them the courage to repent and do what it needs to be done, Lord, to get them back on the right path. In Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing Job did is in verse 1 and 2. Here it is, verse 1 and 2 of Job. Then Job spoke again. My complaint today is still a bitter one. And I try hard not to groan aloud. What Job is saying here is, man, I am bitter. I'm going through it. There's things inside me that are breaking me inside. I'm falling apart. My life is just destroyed. I have all these emotions and thoughts and everything's a mess. And I go, the first thing Job decided, I'm not going to say this out loud. Job did not get out in public and tell everyone his business. Job did not go to a stranger and say, oh, if you only knew what I was going through. Can you believe what my wife said to me? Job did not just go out. Like many people, you ever meet someone the first day and they tell you too much? Or people post things, they're like, why are you saying this? Oh, I'm just keeping it real. No, you're keeping it real dumb. Because some people can't handle your truth. But Job did something amazing. He said, I'm not going to say this out loud. But the book of Job is all about him sitting down with his friends to let it all out, to cry with them, and to seek advice. Number one, to get through the season of the attacks of the devil is you better surround yourself with good friends. He had complaints. He was bitter. So he sat down with his friends. And at first his friends said nothing because listen, sometimes you don't need advice. You don't need wisdom. You don't need to know what to do. Sometimes you just need to sit down with someone and cry with them. They just listened to him. And Job sat down and cried for days, refused to eat, and his friends were just there. Sometimes we just need friends to just be there. And I know his friends were not perfect. They gave horrible advice. They accused him of wrong. But listen, friends were not created to be perfect. They were created to be loyal. They were created to just be there. And I love people that say, I may not be the best friends. I may not have it all together and perfect. But one thing I can promise you is I'll be there. Proverbs 17, 17 says this. A friend is always what? Loyal. 
A brother, not blood related. A brother is born to help in time of need. Do you know that you were born to be there for someone in their need? Just like someone else was born to be there in your time of need. We need each other. And Job did this in the comfort of his guy friends. And I have to say this because don't you be a man and find comfort in another woman. And it's not a shock for a guy to tell me, oh yeah, you know, I, I was talking to the girl about my problems in my marriage and, and I was talking to her and I just think she's such a great listener, pastor. If you just met her, she's my best friend. Guys and girls cannot be best friends. I don't know what generation this is. I see it all the time. That's my best friend. No. Eventually, it's going to get hot. Either by one or the other or both. But Job had a friend. David, in the Bible, had Jonathan. Moses, he, he was a leader. He was great. He was serving the people. But inside his tent, he was alone with Aaron. And he said, I wish I were dead. I'm tired. I'm tired of these people. And I love the guys, the pastors I can get with and say, man, I'm tired of my people in church. I don't say that. I love you guys. But you see, what I mean is we need people to be alone with and say, this is what I'm really going through. That's why as soon as, as, soon as this COVID thing dies down, we have our men's and our women's ministry. Do you know how important that is? Do you know what it does to me when I go out with some of the guys in church and it might just be a time of fishing. I promise you, we're not pulling out guitars, singing kumbaya, and I'm not opening up the Bible saying, okay, let us pray. I'm not doing any of that because sometimes I just need to be with men and I need to fish. But there's something about that that reminds me, David, you're not alone. Again, I say, let your men go fishing. In the name of Jesus. And let your wife get her nails done with her girls. Or let them do it for each other. It's cheaper. But we need friends. It's amazing how hard it is to find a loyal person nowadays, isn't it? We just switch people and turn. Oh, I'm unfriending you. That's why I want to teach you this. Because I know some of you, when life is hard, you get prideful. I don't need anyone. The dumbest thing I hear people say, all I need is Jesus. That is not true. Because even Jesus could not do it alone. He had Peter, James, and John say something about that. He had Peter, James, and John to go alone by the mountainside and say, I'm in distress. If all you need is Jesus, oh, all I need is the Lord. It may sound spiritual, but it is very demonic. Because even Adam had God alone. And even he said, it's not good for you to be alone. But God, I have you. I'm not enough. God created us for relationships. But we get so... Prideful, I don't need him, I could do this by myself. I hear people say, I can have church by myself. Really? Of all the days, today I brought some ice with me. 
Now here's what's interesting. If I grab this one ice cube and hold it, I can tolerate it till it's gone. It's fine. I'm not suffering. I'm not hurting. I can do this. And right now, this ice is melting, falling away. I'm winning. That's why the devil wants you alone. That's why Jesus says the shepherd leaves the 99 and follows the one because the one can easily be attacked by the wolf. But when you're with 99, let that wolf try. And the devil wants a hold of you. The devil wants to melt your faith the way he wants to destroy you. And the devil can do his best when you isolate yourself. Isolate. You like that? I just thought about it right now. I promise you. It's not in my notes. The, devil, the Lord is talking to you. And a lot of us, we, and it's okay to be alone once. I like to be alone. I have my alone time. But there's a difference between having your alone time and just being isolated. And it's getting smaller and weaker. Now, if I would grab a handful, and this little little eye says, you know what, I'm going to go to my women's group, I'm going to go to my man's group, I'm going to go fishing, because Pastor David said you should go fishing, and I'm going to meet with my friends, and we're going to talk, I'm going to share. I'm going to try now to have a handle on them. But you know what happens now? I'm already saying I can't hold on much longer. Seriously, this is painful. This is difficult. And you know what happens after what? Not even a minute? I got to let go. What's the difference? That ice was no longer isolated. It got together with another group of ice. When you find yourself in friendships that are loyal, the devil can't hold you much longer. But when you're by yourself, the devil loves company. And he'll start telling you, you don't need them. You don't need the church. God created the church. Not just so you can learn and listen to sermons. God created the church because we are part of a body. We need each other. That's why God said, do not neglect the fellowship and the gathering. Why? God didn't say, don't neglect prayer. Don't neglect Bible study. Don't neglect. No, that's obvious. But he says, don't you neglect meeting up with people. You need it. But I've been hurt by the church. You don't think you're going to get hurt by the world, yet you go to them? Come on, am I preaching good this morning? Is it cold in here? Job said, I need my boys. I need my friends. That's why the devil couldn't hold them much longer. And it's sad because so many people to say, Pastor, I just have no one. That's why when you see a new person come to this church, don't be cold with them. Don't isolate. Surround yourself with people you have in common with. It doesn't mean as a Christian you've got to get along with anyone. Some Christians are weird. I get it. 
I'm not forcing you. You know, I know a lot of you here, and there's some of you that can say, I would never put so-and-so and so-and-so together as friends. They would kill each other. But God created you for relationships. So don't ever think, well, I'm just going to isolate. I'm going to be by myself. The devil loves that. The second thing Job did, verse 10. Notice what Job told himself. Remember Job saying, I don't know where God is. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know if I did something wrong or not. I don't know what's going to happen in my future. He doesn't know. Can I tell you the greatest fear man has is the fear of the unknown? Isn't it just scary not to know what's going to happen? But Job said, he knows. He knows where I'm going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. Job didn't just say, well, I don't know, and this isn't right, and this isn't fair, and this is hurt, and where is God, and why is God doing this? Job just said, I don't know, and I don't need to know, because I know that he knows. There's so much peace knowing God knows where you need to go. God knows where you need to be. God knows what job you need to work in, what relationships you need to have, who you need to marry, what house you need to buy, what car you need to own. God knows. But you put so much pressure on yourself saying, I got to know, I got to figure it out. But you got to just tell yourself, no. God knows. Job has no idea what's going to happen. I, I can't tell you right now what's going to happen to our church this year, next year, five years from now. I can't tell you what's going to happen. But you know what I can tell you? God knows. I can't tell you what's going to happen to your child, what's going to happen to your job, what's going to happen to our economy, what's going to happen next year, 22, 24. I don't know. But what if I was not meant to know, but to trust God who knows all things? No, but pastor, I need to know. Why? So I can be prepared. Isn't God prepared? We fear so much. We fear tomorrow. And you tell yourself, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if I die alone? What if I lose my job? What if my kids don't go to church? What if... And God says, I know. Job says, the Lord knows where I need to go. So not only did Job begin to form this relationship with his guy friends that he needed to hold accountable, but he said, God knows which way I go. Matthew 6, 25 through 27, this is a verse we need today in our generation. Jesus says, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Are you worried about your life right now? Can we be honest? You're worried about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? This is why I tell you, do not worry. But notice the next verse. 
Jesus says this in verse 26. Look at the birds. They don't plant, they don't harvest, they don't store food in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. No, Jesus is being a little funny here. He's saying, I want you to look at the birds. Have you ever seen a bird like this? What am I going to do? Oh my gosh, there's a cold front coming. What are we going to do? How are we going to eat? How are we going to survive? You, you see birds today? They're just like, chirp, chirp. Living life. And even God takes care of a bird. Did you understand that? God takes care of birds. And I never understood people who have pet birds. But God says, I take care of birds. I feed them. And then he says, aren't you far more valuable than they are? Matthew, verse 27. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Can it? Can worry change anything about your situation? Verse 31 and 32. Then Jesus says this, So don't worry about these things saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Did you notice that Jesus is speaking in the future tense? Because there is nothing that worries people more than the future. The unknown. And the Bible says these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already what? knows all that you need. Jesus broke it down this way. You're more valuable. You're valuable to me. Worry does nothing to change your situation, but everything to destroy you. So not only does Jesus say you're valuable to me, worry does nothing and he knows what you need. You're valuable. Worry does nothing. And God knows what you need. Job sat there and said, even though the devil was accusing him and he lost his family and everything, Job sat there with confidence and said, God knows. God knows where I'm going. God is guiding me. Can you imagine what the devil must have thought when Job said that? Verse 10, not only did Job say, God knows, so let's break it down. One, he surrounded himself with friends. Two, he declared the omniscience of God, His all-knowing power and wisdom. You have nothing to worry in life because even though you don't know, maybe you don't need to know, but you have to trust in the One that knows all things.
That's why when a door closes in your life and you say, well, I don't know why God didn't make that happen. Why that opportunity failed? Why didn't I get to date them or marry them? Why didn't I get that promotion? You have to know that God not only knows all things, he knows what you need. He knows what you don't need. And if you don't have it, it's because you don't need it and you need to trust him. He knows. And Job says, when he knows where I'm going. And when he what? Test me. How did Job know it was a test? God didn't tell him. The devil definitely did not tell him. How did Job know it was a test? It's because he knew I'm living a life of integrity. I am serving God. I fear God. And I know that because I'm blameless, I have no guilt, No, I have a clear conscience. I know what's happening to me is not a result of consequences by my choices. So clearly God is up to something. He knew it was a test. And maybe you're going through a test right now and you don't even know it because God is preparing you, but he hasn't told you. He knows where I'm going. And when he tests me, notice what he says. I will come out. Here's the difference between a test and a consequence. A consequence is a trial based on your poor choices that you may not even get out of. But a test is a trial that develops you betters you, and you always get out of it. Job says, I will come out of this as gold. I'm coming out of this better. And see, when gold is thrown into the fire to be purified, all the impurities come out. And when the goldsmith knows it's ready, it's time, he removes all the impurities and he gets the gold out and it's better than before. That's what God does. God knows everything about you. God knows what you need. But God also knows how long you have to be in the trial that you're in right now. He knows exactly when to get you out or put you back in because you're not ready. And it's not always church that makes you better. It's not only a, pre a preaching that makes you better. I'm not going to make you better. Sometimes the trials you go through make you a better person. But the devil wants you to think it's a consequence. The devil wants you to think he's mad at you. The devil wants you to think God hates you. But see, God knew that when I do this to Job, he'll know it's a test. One, Job surrounded himself with friends. Job declared the omniscience of God, his all-knowing power and wisdom. Job declared that it was a test that he would come out of. That's why he did not get bitter. He did not get angry. He did not hate God for it. He knew that God was going to use this to make him a better person. That's why God will put people in your life that are making your life terrible. Because maybe he's working on your patience. He's working on your love. It's easy to love ice that you get along with. 
But what about those other people that are hard to love? And God puts them in your life because you're praying for patience. You're praying to make you a nicer person. And God says, okay, I am. Here you go. Here they come. Here it comes. And then you're like, oh God, I hate this. Because what you're really saying is, Lord, can I just wake up and be a better person? Can I just wake up and poof, be the most patient man ever? No. And some people say, oh, Pastor Dale, you're so loving, you're so patient, you're so kind. Yeah, but I guarantee you it was because I've been with so many bad people. Oh, the Pereira family, so godly, so loving, so caring. Yeah, because we've been through the fire. And every time is a test. And if you're praying to get married, God's going to put you through a fire first because He doesn't want to send you to the life of someone else when you're terrible. But Job said this, I'll come out of this. You know the season you're in right now? It's not forever. Well, it feels like it, Pastor, but it's not. You'll come out of this. Number four. You guys learning today? Let's break it down. One, he surrounded himself with loyalty, with friends, so don't isolate. Two, he declared the omniscience of God. God knows everything. He knows what I need. He knows where I'm going. So even though I don't know, I know that he knows so I have nothing to worry about and everything to have joy about. Third, he recognized it was a test from God. There's a big difference between a test and a consequence. If you're going through something that's not a result of your poor choices, it is a test. Believe me. You cannot call something a test as a result of your choice. You might say, well, pastor, I just lost my job. And I know God is putting me through a test. I know I didn't show up on time. And I know I wasn't always working hard. And I was always on the phone. And I was stealing paper clips. I know I got fired, but I'm in the test. No, you're not. You're in the consequence. Oh, my pastor, I know my marriage is going through a test right now because things are hard, we're fighting, but we're going to get through it. But I know I've been harsh with her. I know I haven't respected him. We haven't spent time together. and every. But I know it's a test. No, it's a consequence. You guys get it? So examine yourself and say, man, test or consequence? Test or consequence? And here's the fourth one, verse 11 and 12. This is all in one chapter. Do you see? I did all the work for you. Job said this, and many of us can't say this. Remember, he's lost his family, children, job, health, everything's a mess. The devil's attacking him. And he says, I have stayed on God's path. Is that amazing? How many of you can say that about yourself today? I have stayed on God's path. I have followed His ways. I have not turned aside. And notice this. Verse 12. I have not departed from His commands. Here's a big takeaway. I have treasured His words 
more than my daily food. Do you know how Job survived the, the trial and the fire? He stayed in the Word of God. The Word of God will get you through the greatest fires of your life. The Word of God will sustain you through the most devilish of attacks. You know why? Because remember, the devil attacks you physically to hurt you mentally, to wound you emotionally, to destroy you spiritually. But see, the devil can do all the physical things he wants to me. And the minute my mind begins to get wounded and I start thinking negative thoughts and negative things about God and my life and my future, I instantly put my mind on the Word of God because one thing is true, the Word of God remains the same forever. So instead of thinking about what I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about what God has said in His Word. And then when my emotions begin to get the best of me, I don't live my life based on emotions. I live it according to the Word of God. So even though the devil tries to attack you physically, if you stay in the Word of God like Job did, you remain on his path. Let me illustrate it this way. Give me something people worry about today. Anything. Someone say it. Finances. All right, finance is a good one. All right. So you're watching the news, inflation's up. Amen? All right. Great. Things are bad. Stock market's going down and up and crypto and this and, oh my gosh, everything's a mess and there's rumors of job losses. And, and everything's a mess. And now you start thinking. Here's the thoughts. You ready? What if I lose my job? What if I can't pay the credit card? What if I, I can't pay the bills? How am I going to put food on the table? What's going to happen? What if I lose the house? What if I'm homeless? What if I have to move back with my parents? What if, what if I got to, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Your mind's getting the best of you. Your emotions, you go to sleep. Oh my gosh, how am I going to live? Am I going to wake up to a better day tomorrow? What's going to happen? I feel scared. I feel like I'm not going to make it. I feel poor. Oh my gosh, the finances, the bills are getting more. I can't get out of this. What if I never save enough money to buy what I need to buy? And if I can't buy what I need to buy, she'll never date me. And if she's going to date me, I'll stay single forever. The emotions are getting to you. Rumors of job losses. Inflation. Money's tight. How many have done groceries lately? You see how much it is and you look at your car and you're like, how am I going to live off this? It's scary. My mind goes, what are you going to do? And I go back to Matthew, the verse we just read, Matthew say, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. God knows you need them. God values you. God will take care of you. Oh my goodness, the Bible says, my Lord shall supply all my needs according to his riches. Oh my gosh, Matthew says, I have never seen a child of God begging for bread. Oh my goodness, the Lord says, if you just trust me and believe in me, he will open up the floodgates and provide for me. Oh my goodness, wait a minute, there's something here because I may be thinking the worst, but if I live according to the word of God, the devil can't get me spiritually. That's what Job says. I have not strayed from the path. 
because I have stayed in his word like my daily food. Here's how it works. You guys ready for another visual today? You're either one or two of these people. We got two candles here. And here's the thing about following Jesus. It never meant that life was not going to get hard, difficult, painful. Can I tell you, Christians today are going through financial problems like the world does. If you're a Christian today, you're still under the same government, the same president, the same this, the same... We're all going through it. But here's the difference. How does fire get destroyed or gone? If I blow wind into it, it's going to get destroyed? All right, so let's look, let's look at this one. All right, so I, got, I could get some water, get some wind. <sighs> gone, just like that. Didn't survive. But let's try this again, okay. So suppose now, okay, I'm going to get some water now. A little water. Water didn't. Now the water. Gone. The wind destroyed it. The ice, the water just prevented it from firing up again. Burned out. How many people are burned out today? But I want you to read something in 119, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I want you to pay attention to something, though. The Bible says the word of God is a lamp and a light. It separates the two. It's not just, oh, the word is a light. No, the word is a lamp to guide me and a light. The word of God means and says that his word is like a lamp. The difference is these were both lights. But now I put this in a lamp. So cute. And here's the difference now. They both had light. But check this out now. the difference same light same problems but it's in the lamp that's the difference between the world and the child of God we go through listen we go through the same problems but we like the lamp the word is the lamp we are in the word of God. And when you are in the word of God, the devil can try his best. You remain. That's why Job says, I have not strayed from the path because I am in the word. My question to you, church, are you in the word of God? 
Oh, pastor, I'm too busy, I'm too tired, I'm stressed, I'm this, I don't have time. Listen, you are wasting a lot of your times on things that aren't going to save you when life goes down. The amount of time you spend on television is not going to save your family. The amount of time you spend streaming is not going to save your children. When you lose it all, your YouTube and Netflix is not going to be there for you. You need the Word of God. And Job said daily. It is my daily food. And I'm going to tell you something. I know some of you, you turn into a monster when you don't eat. Right? How many of you need to think about food? Like, oh my gosh, I forgot to eat today. Let me go eat. You got, it comes natural. I'm hungry, I eat. I got to eat, I got to go. I, don't talk to me, I haven't eaten. I have to eat first. Job described the Word of God as daily food. Can you imagine if you only ate on Sunday morning for one hour a week? How would your life be? You'd be skinnier. No, you'd be dead. You'd be angry. You would bite heads off. You would eat people's flesh. The devil himself would be scared of you. What if you take that approach with the Word of God? I need the Word of God. I can't live without the Word of God. I need the Word, and I haven't been in the Word. I've got to pray. I've got to read. See, Job says, life is bad. Life is going down. Everything is a mess, but I stay on the path. But the reason that so many people burn out is because they're not in the Word of God. They're in their heads. They're in their emotions. And the devil can easily attack you when you're in your mind and in your feelings. But if you're in the Word of God, God said, my Word is a lamp and a light. But the light without the lamp will burn out. And the reason you're burning out today is because you're not even thinking about the Word of God. So Job said this, and we'll pray. Job said, I've lost my family. My wife hates me. My income is gone. My life is a mess. But I'm going to surround myself with my friends. My loyal friends that I can just talk to and be myself around. And when those thoughts come and they say, oh, life is over, what are you going to do? I'm going to say, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if or when it's going to happen for me. But I know that God knows. So I'm not going to worry. In fact, not only am I not going to worry, I'm going to come out of this a better person because I know it's just the test. 
And when these thoughts and emotions and the devil starts attacking me, instead of listening to myself and my thoughts, I'm just going to stay in the Word of God and trust and believe the Word of God so that I know I'm going to stay on His path. I'm not going to burn out. Whatever they go through that destroyed them is not going to destroy me because I'm in the Word and my God says He is a lamp to my feet. I'm in the Word. And in verse 13 and 15, Job said the final thing. Once he's made his decision, who can change his mind? Whatever he wants, he does. Look at the next verse. So he will do whatever he has planned. He controls my destiny. Come on, say that with me. He controls my destiny. Say it one more time. He controls my destiny. You know what I hear all the time from people? Life is out of control. We use that as a negative term. Kids are out of control. My wife's out of control. My job, this, the government, out of control. Everything's out of control. What if out of control is not a negative statement? But when used in a perception of God can actually set you free. I'm going to say this one thing and then I'm going to pray for you. You guys ready? When life is out of control, it's only out of your control. That's how it is. Life is not out of control. It's only out of your control. And whatever is out of your control is in the hands of God right now as I speak. Let's all stand to pray. Father, I thank you for this word this morning. I thank you that we were able to really dive into this word. So, Father, I pray that as life attacks us and the devil attacks us and everything is just feels like it's out of control, we know that's out of our control. So I pray, Lord, for anyone that's isolated right now, just wants to be alone, that they would find comfort in some person here in church or some other believer that's able to just listen to them, cry with them. And Father, many of us here, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know where we're going. But we have such great faith knowing that you know. And thank you for using Job to teach us that you know the way we're going. And we have nothing to worry about. In fact, you have showed us today, Lord, that this is just a test. And every test we will come out of better than before. So for anyone going through this test right now, let them have the faith and the wisdom to know they're coming out. And teach them what they need to learn. And Father, I thank you that you gave us your word to learn, to memorize, to study, to be in, so that when life does get out of control, we remain in your path. 
because we are not driven by our thoughts or our emotions, but by every word that you have written here. I pray for every man, every woman, every child, husband, wife, parent, every person here today that's life is just getting the best of them. Church, if you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, Pastor, I just feel like, I feel like Job right now. And I'm scared of my life. I'm scared of my future. Would you just let the peace of God come in? Knowing that you're going to be okay. And if you're here today, you're saying, Pastor, I'm not like Job. I have to repent of my sins. I have not lived right. I don't fear God. I don't have integrity. I'm doing things I know I shouldn't. And there's evil I need to stay away from. I want you to pray this today. If that's you this morning, would you just put your hand up just so I can see today? God bless you. God bless you all around the room today. Would you just ask the Lord right now from your heart to forgive you? To help you be a person of integrity. A man or a woman that fears God will be blessed. Just ask the Lord right now to forgive you. And the Bible says if you come near to God, he will come near to you. So right there from your heart, just ask the Lord. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for neglecting you, for not fearing you, for seeking evil. And help me, Lord to get back on your path. In Jesus' name. And if you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I'm trying my best to live with the fear of God and integrity, but the devil is attacking my life, my children, my family. But I confess I'm not in his word. Today, as you leave this church, get back into the word of God. Let's all pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. We ask that we leave here today with love for your word. Because we know that your word is a lamp to our feet. We thank you that in this church, we do not have to be isolated, but we have a family here that we can run to when we're in need, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for just those moments that life and the devil gets the best of us in our minds and our emotions. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to get through what the test is we're going through right now. We love you. We thank you.